Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Good morning, Garden Church. My name is Amanda. If I haven't met you yet, I am so looking forward to the day that I get to meet you in person. I've been on staff here at The Garden for a few years, and I do a lot of different things, but what I get to do today is teach you, my family, from the Word of the Lord, and I could not be more honored or excited. My friend Jake just kind of wrapped up the last bit of our Rule of Life series last week with a beautiful talk on the Sabbath, so if you haven't heard that yet, I highly encourage you to go back and take a listen. But that means that I get to lead us into the last final piece of this Rule of Life series, which is on soul care. I know that we've talked about soul care here at the Garden in the past, but to give you a quick breakdown, when I talk about the soul, I'm talking about who we really are beneath everything that externally defines us. Our soul is what makes us us. And our soul is built up of five different dimensions or pieces that all fit together. These five pieces are our minds, which is what we're going to be talking about today, our bodies, our hearts, our emotions, and our relationships. So when we talk about soul care, what we're really talking about is learning how to steward and step into and offer up each of these five aspects of ourselves to our God so that we might experience abundant life with him in every inch of our being. So we have a lot to dive into, but first I want to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. God, we love you and we love your word and we thank you for the ways in which you choose to reveal yourself to your people. And we ask that you just do that this morning, that you would reveal yourself to us in all of your fullness. We thank you, God, for your presence with us. In your name, amen. So when we talk about the mind, I first want to encourage you to not think about your physical brain. And I know that that's challenging, but what we're going to be unpacking this morning is something so much bigger. See, our minds are actually our way of thinking. Our minds are our capacity to think, to create beliefs and interpretations and perceptions of the world around us. And our minds, our way of thinking dictates how we do absolutely everything in our life. Our minds are uniquely wired by God to be powerful. So the first thing I want you to hear is that God calls your mind good and he calls it even beautiful. He has uniquely wired them to be good. But for disciples, our minds do even more. Our minds act as an organ through which we receive God's thoughts when we align ourselves with him. So when we submit ourselves to the way of Jesus and we fall in line with who he is, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And not some distant, ambiguous, glowing orb of a spirit, but we are filled with the Spirit of God himself. The very things that make God, God, are now embedded in our being and welded together with all of who we are. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we gain access to the thoughts and mind of Christ himself. The Apostle Paul talks about this in his letter to the church in Corinth. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
But before we jump in directly to this, I want to give us just a little bit of context. So Paul is writing to a church in Corinth that needed major correcting in their theology and therefore major correcting in their behavior. All throughout this letter, we see Paul basically kind of contrasting the way of thinking that the disciples in Corinth had with the way of thinking that they were called into when they became followers of Jesus. So I want to have us take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in the second half of verse 10. Paul writes that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. And next I want to have us jump down to verse 16. It's going to look like a indent or a quotation in most of your Bibles. And I want to highlight what Paul is doing here because I just think it's stunning. This quotation that we see in verse 16 is actually adapted from the book of Isaiah, which we find in the Old Testament. In this book, the prophet Isaiah is calling out and asking, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Who could know the thoughts of God? And what Paul does next is so beautiful. He says, we have the mind of Christ. We, as disciples, are the ones who get to know the thoughts of God. See, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we operate under a completely new mindset. And this mindset flips everything that we thought we knew upside down. We have received an entirely new thing. And this is where we have to start. I think it can be easy to start a conversation on the mind from more of a backwards perspective. So we we see that our minds do not work in ways that are necessarily in line with how God would intend them to work. I think that's an easy thing for us to recognize. So we come up with these practices and these behaviors to help us earn or work toward a better mind. We stop listening to music with bad words in it. That might have just been my problem. Or we stop watching secular movies and we memorize scripture all to purify and clean up and beautify our thoughts so that they might become better. And these practices are good, they are, but when we start with the practices, when we start from the end point, we are completely missing it. We have to start in knowing that what is true about us is that we already have access to the mind of Christ. And our behavior and our practices and our rule of life has to flow from this place. We cannot earn the mind of Christ because it's already been freely given to us. You can't earn a free gift. This is where we have to start. I got married um, three and a half years ago to my husband, Michael, and it has been an incredible, fun, and challenging experience thus far. But The first year of marriage was difficult in a few different ways. Um, The most difficult, though, I would say, was having to change my maiden name. I wasn't really bummed about losing the last name Moore. I was Amanda Moore prior to this. Um, I was really bummed about the amount of paperwork that I had to do (laughs) to change it. 
I spent hours on the phone with the Social Security office and the DMV and all of these random people just to change my name to something that most of you can't pronounce. It is Patrilla, by the way. I don't get upset when you miss it. <laughs> but it got so frustrating and challenging for me that I literally gave up about halfway through. I updated all of the important things in my life, but my healthcare records continued to say Amanda Moore on them up until, honestly, a month ago. And that became challenging for me because I would go to the doctor's office and I would have to sit in the waiting room and train my mind to listen to the name Amanda Moore. It, it started to get frustrating. It started to rub up against this new identity, this new name that I had received. I wasn't Amanda Moore anymore. So as an act or a practice of disassociating from my last name a month ago, I finally updated my healthcare records. And it was a process, but I think I actually got to this point where I needed everything in my life to line up with who I already was. I needed my behavior, my practice to flow out of my being, out of the thing that was already true about me. And what was true was that I was Amanda Petrilla. And I think the same is true for us. We have received a new thing. So it would serve us well if we allowed our behavior to flow out of what was already true about us. Again, our friend Paul talks about this in his letter to the church in Ephesus. I won't have you turn there. But what we see Paul doing, what he's saying to, this, to these disciples is, hey, the Gentiles, the people who don't yet know God, are stuck in ways of thinking that are futile. That word futile means useless. It means empty, void. And what he says next to the disciples is so beautiful to me. I actually want to read it from the message version of the Bible by Eugene Peterson. Paul says, Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything connected with that old way of life, has to go. It's rotten through and through, so get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. That old way of life has to go. So fully realizing that we as disciples have the mind of Christ is simply the first and an important step. The next thing we have to do is sift out the ways of thinking that we have that are no longer rooted in reality. And this is hard because our minds are brought up by the way of the world that tells us things that feel like truth but aren't actually in line with the truth that we see Jesus living in the scriptures. See, we are trained by our families of origin and our news outlets of choice and our social media feeds and our therapists to think in ways that are not in line with the mind of Christ. And I think the enemy has pounced on the opportunity to, in the midst of this futile thinking, to heap anxiety and worry and hopelessness on our backs to keep us stuck in that place. I think this has happened this year now more than ever. 
And that's why rule of life is so important for us. We have to find practices that will help us align ourselves and root ourselves in the truth that we see revealed in Jesus Christ and only in Jesus Christ. This is how we renew our minds. And this is hard. I've experienced this. I have been trained in worry and anxiety since I was a child. I grew up entertaining and aligning and agreeing to thoughts that were rooted in lies, thoughts that led to anxiety and irrational fear. And yeah, God has spoken peace over me. Even recently, in the last few weeks, he has declared, daughter, you are free, you are healed, go in peace. And so I have to work incessantly to remove the ways of thinking and the patterns of thoughts that are in my mind that don't line up with what Jesus has already said is true. It is excruciating for me. If you have walked with me in any sense this last season, you know what a battle this has been in my mind. And I don't tell you this to feign sympathy from you and not to be vulnerable because that's terrifying to me. Um, I tell you this because I need you to know that I have not nailed this process. I'm not speaking to you as someone who gets this right every single day. But I am going to speak to you as someone who has experienced renewal in my mind from the Holy Spirit. Jesus desires for me and for you, church, to bring about life where there was once death. He has celebrated with me every victory that I have experienced, and he has weeped with me in every single defeat. But I can promise you that he has guided every single piece of this process, and I know that he will do the same for you because he is someone who brings life out of death. This is who Jesus is. So how do we get there? How do we experience the renewal of our minds? I think it's two pieces. The first is that we have to choose what we will and will not allow ourselves to dwell on, what we will allow our minds to dwell on. Dallas Willard, an author and philosopher and theologian, says in his book, Renovation of the Heart, that the ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell upon. The ultimate power that we have as human beings. This is a big deal. Contrary to how we feel, we actually can choose the thoughts that we allow to sit in the forefront of our minds. And I think our call as disciples of Jesus is to continue to dwell on the things that bring life while ruthlessly eliminating the thoughts in our mind that lead us away from it. Again, our friend Paul, I feel like I could talk about him all day, (laughs) mentions this in his book to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 8, he describes the mind that is governed or dictated by and determined by the Holy Spirit as a mind that is life and peace. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So I think it would serve us well if we aligned with thoughts that brought about life and peace and ran as fast as we could from thoughts that brought death. And I wish that this was something that could happen overnight. I wish more than anything this was an instantaneous process, but it's absolutely not. 
This is an ongoing process. And it is hard because our minds are not trained to do this. Our minds are built in such a way that they need to work quickly and efficiently. And so they use thoughts to burrow pathways in our minds. I'll give you an example. When I was a kid, I somehow picked up this idea that God is thoroughly disappointed in me all of the time. So when I was a child, a five or a six-year-old, I created this pathway in my mind that was rooted in a lie. And the more that I dwelled on this thought, the more that I gained false theology that empowered this lie, the more that this pathway was burrowed and furrowed into my brain. And it kept going more and more to the point where I became an adult and this pathway was now a full-blown six-way highway that my thoughts would burrow down. In any moment that I felt fear or doubt or insecurity in my relationship with God, this became the narrative that I acted out of. This is how our minds work, so it is hard to undo them. But the good news is that we don't have to undo them on our own. We cannot undo our ways of thinking on our own. See, we have to rest in the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can actually bring about renewal in us. We can build our lives around practices, and we absolutely should do this. We're going to get to some in just a few moments. But ultimately, the real shift that happens in our minds is when the Holy Spirit pours fresh living water on the places in our minds that are broken and stuck in death and decay. We have to get this. Our minds are incredibly powerful, but we cannot think our way into true renewal. We cannot strategize our way into a new mind. It is a free gift that we receive when we align with the way of Jesus and trust in him. So what are some practices that we can build into our rule of life so that we can begin to experience the renewal of our minds? I'm going to give you a few here. The first is just regularly ask that the Holy Spirit would give you the mind of Christ. I know this sounds simple, but I think it's so powerful to just consciously ask that God would share his thoughts with us. I try to do this all day before I work, before I go into a meeting with someone or have a hard talk with my husband. I posture myself in a place of listening to God's thoughts. 99% of the time, to be honest, I pray this and I don't feel anything, but it's the posturing and the aligning with the truth that God desires to share his thoughts with us. That's what's important. The second practice is read scripture. Read big pieces of it, but more importantly, read small portions of it. Read slowly and attentively and bend your ear toward the voice of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through his scriptures. The third one is memorize scripture. This goes a bit hand in hand with reading it because as we work on memorizing scripture, we are turning over thoughts, thoughts that are rooted in the Bible, in the word of God, thoughts that implant life and peace in our minds. As we memorize, we are chewing on them and turning them over and over again in our minds. And this is how renewal happens. The fourth is sit under the teaching of someone at the garden or even someone outside of the garden. Listen to podcasts, read books, and talk about what you're processing with your community and with your friends and your family. 
The fifth one is ask someone to mentor you. This doesn't have to be anything intense or a big deal, but simply find someone who will speak truth over you and remind you of what is true about God and yourself and the world around us. The sixth one is be mindful of how you are using social media. I feel like I could teach an entirely other sermon on this, but I think social media is the number one thing renewing our minds in the opposite way of Christ. I think we have to take breaks. That's a great starting place is taking breaks from social media as much as you can and taking breaks from your phone whenever and however long you can. This next practice is practice repentance and forgiveness. Holding on to bitterness and resentment warps our thinking and our judgment like nothing else can. It forms a dark, tangled web that morphs into each of those five dimensions of our soul and perpetuates death in us. I heard recently that forgiveness is a form of spiritual warfare, so we have to do this constantly. A good way to practice this is just sit with the Spirit and ask Him to bring to mind any places that are holding on to unforgiveness and then consciously, even verbally, set that person and yourself into freedom. God desires to guide this process for us. This next practice is steward your mental health. There are a lot of ways that we can do this, but here are a few that have been helpful for me. The first is just drink water and eat well. These things have massive impacts on our minds. I find that the more I'm not taking care of my body, the more anxious and worried and sad I become. And maybe the same is true for you. The second is exercise. Get outside and move your body as much as you can. The third is talk about things that you are processing. Talk about them with your family and your house churches. Next, find a good therapist. I don't feel that therapist is the end-all, be-all, but it is an incredible tool in the overall pursuit of renewing your mind. Next and last is rest. Get seven to eight hours of sleep each night if you can. Take mental breaks. Go on a walk around the block in the middle of your workday. Practice a breathing prayer when you can. And find a mind-cleansing activity. This is something that is pulling you away from strenuous thoughts, from thoughts related to work. Mine has been puzzles this season. That may or may not actually be a mind cleansing activity, but try it. It could be good. The last thing that I want to end with, though, Chris Vallotton, the author of the book Spiritual Intelligence, gives us a list of seven symptoms of a transformed mind. And I simply want to just read them and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us through them. They're going to come up on the screen here. The first one says, you are full of hope. The impossible seems reasonable. The third, you know you have a transformed mind when you live in peace and you don't worry. Your speculations are positive. The fourth, you like yourself and you even rejoice in your weaknesses, knowing that when and where you are weak, God is strong. The fifth, you are quick to forgive and you freely give others grace and mercy. The sixth, you know you have a renewed mind when you are confident and thankful. And the last, you believe in others and you give them the benefit of the doubt. We know we have a renewed mind when each of these things are true 
about us. And I wonder what it would look like to regularly check in with these symptoms, check in with ourselves and ask, is this what my mind looks and feels like right now? And if it's not, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you about the ways of thinking that need to change, about the narratives that need to change so that your mind can be one that is rooted in life and in peace. That's all I have for us, church. And I want to just pray over you for the next few moments because I sense that God wants to release freedom for us in our community. I sense that God... Yeah, I'm actually just going to pray. I'm just going to invite him right now. (laughs) Holy Spirit. Yeah, I thank you that you are a God who desires to renew our minds, that you don't desire for us to live in death. You desire for us to live in abundant life. And I just want to speak freedom over the people in our community who have felt trapped in ways of thinking that have led to death that have felt trapped in ways of thinking that have led to worry and anxiety and fear. God, would you breathe new life into our community? Would you renew the mind of my friends of this community, God? Would you pour fresh living water on the places in our minds that feel like they are decaying and parched and crying out for life? Would you heal us, God, even now of anxiety, of fear, of depression, of hopelessness. We break ties and agreements that we've made with thoughts that are rooted in lies, and we ask that you give us the truth. Give us your thoughts that are rooted in truth, Jesus. We love you, and we love your beauty. We love your word, and we love your voice. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.